The word feel here does mean total failure. It is the word in the Greek language that we get the word eclipse. And for these hours and the ensuing days until the resurrection, until the Lord met with Peter and did indeed restore him, for these days it was like an eclipse. He seemed to have lost reason. He seems to have lost courage. He has lost assurance. And he's a man in the depths. He is going through a period of eclipse in his own soul. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Thank you for joining with us. And we're coming to our final segment on the cross of Calvary. I hope you can tell that the cross is my boast. It is my delight. And at this Easter season, the joy of preaching the cross fills my heart. May it be a blessing to you today. There may be someone with us tonight who is going through a very big battle, a battle of a sense of failure. And I think that is widespread from the pulpit right to the back pew. We all feel a measure of failure. I don't think there's anyone who would boast here tonight that we've got it all together, that we've done it all right, that we have no regrets, and maybe we have sensed that we have let the Lord down. That is actually a mark of grace. It is a mark of humility. The person who can boast and say, well, I did it all, I did it right, I did it well, we would certainly worry about them. The other side of this coin is that Satan comes along and he defeats us to discourage us by working on that sense of failure. And he says, you know, all the promises, all the blessings, all the things you preach, all the things you pray about, all the things that you claim in the Bible, what have they really done in your own life? And that whispering enemy within our ear cries to get us down, get us into the valley of despondency, and to ruin us for God. That's why we're coming to Peter tonight. Peter, of all the apostles, indeed perhaps of all the men in the Bible, encourage God's people. When we get to the place where Peter was weeping bitterly, there is this man that helps us in our time of trial and of trouble. I want to draw your attention to just a couple of words that the Lord said to Peter in the midst of preparing him for what was his very defeating trial, where he denied the Lord three times. I want you to come to verse 32, and I want you to hear what the Lord said to Peter, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Strengthen thy brethren. And I think Peter has done that. Peter has been very successful 
in his life, in his ministry, in the record we have in the Bible of the man who has greatly been used to strengthen God's people. When you go to 1 Peter 5, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, uh, you find him talking about humility, about being vigilant. And then he goes on to say about casting your care upon the Lord, for he careth for us. Peter certainly put into practice, and he put into his pastoral ministry, his own deep, bitter experience of how he denied the Lord. Peter also talked about the fiery trials of God's people, that after we have been tried in the fire, we come forth as gold. That was true of Peter himself. This petulant and somewhat unpredictable apostle was molded, shaped, and equipped to become a wiser, better, and more dependable man for God and a more faithful servant of the Lord. Now, this reference, when thou art converted, does not refer to regeneration. Normally, we talk about conversion as the sinner receiving a new heart. The Lord was speaking to Peter here, and he was saying to him, when you are restored, or when you have returned, the word converted uh, does not mean that uh, he is saved today, then he's losing his salvation, and then he's converted all over again. The word feel here does mean total failure. It is the word in the Greek language that we get the word eclipse. And for these hours and the ensuing days until the resurrection, until the Lord met with Peter and did indeed restore him, for these days it was like an eclipse. He seemed to have lost reason. He seems to have lost courage. He has lost assurance. And he's a man in the depths. He is going through a period of eclipse in his own soul. But I want you to know tonight that Peter's faith did not feel. The Lord said to him, I prayed for thee that thy faith feel not. Now, Peter lost a whole lot. He lost courage. He lost testimony. He lost assurance, but he did not lose his faith. And the very best proof of that is the tears that he shed so bitterly. And so Peter was later to follow this command of the Lord. When thou art converted, when you are returned and restored, strengthen thy brethren. I want us tonight to look at some ways in which Peter is a tremendous strength to God's people. And in this verse here, verse 31, 32, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. The first thing I would point out, Peter would let people know that the Lord knew. The Lord knew of the path that Peter was going to descend down into. 
There was no surprise here. Now, Peter was surprised. Peter was shocked because in the midst of this advice and warning that the Lord was giving to Peter, Peter got up and said, Lord, no, no, I will, I will stand with you. I'll go to prison for you. I will even die for you. But the Lord knew the dark path and the weakness that would suddenly come upon Peter's life. The Lord knew the dark works of Satan. Satan hath desired to have you, to sift you as wheat. Some people think that the Christian life is a bed of roses, that you're free from any influence from the powers of hell and darkness. Rather, no, when you become a Christian, that's when the battle starts, and you are in a spiritual war. We are Christian soldiers. We're commanded to put on the whole armor of God that we may stand against the wiles of the devil. But the Lord knew the path that Peter was going to go through. The other thing, and this is not a main heading, I'm just pointing out here what the Lord knew. The Lord was in control because he said, Satan hath desired to have you. Oh, Satan has many desires, but there is a limit to what Satan can do. And the Lord had undertaken to pray for Peter. There's a great text in 1 Corinthians 10 where Paul said, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. Now, that needs to be wisely interpreted because it does not mean that you'll never be attacked. It does not mean that you will never sense defeat. It does not mean that you will never feel that you've let your Lord down. Peter certainly did. He let his Lord down grievously. But it does mean that even in the trial and in your weakness and in your failure, the Lord is still in control. That that roaring lion who goeth about seeking to destroy does not devour. Oh, he may make a mess of us, but he will not devour. The Lord controls the temptation. Now, the thing to note is that the Lord allowed this terrible temptation. He knew about it. He could have stopped it. He controlled its extent, but he allowed it to take place. You might ask, did the Lord not love Peter? Did the Lord not like Peter? Why would he ask his disciple, his true disciple, to endure such bitter things? Well, that's like asking why did God allow Satan to tempt Adam and Eve in the garden and plunge the whole world into sin and misery? That's like asking, why is there trouble in the world at all? And of course, we explain it as the result of man's fall and man's sin. But the Lord was working with purpose in Peter's life. He was saying, Satan's desire to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, and here's the purpose, 
strengthen thy brethren. God is going to work something in Peter's life that is going to make him a man, a better man. He is going to be a safer man, a wiser man, a more godly, a more careful man. And he's going to become a tremendous strength and help to many of God's people. Now, the Lord allows attacks and troubles in our life to humble us, to teach us, and to equip us to better serve the Lord. And we need to get these things well into our hearts when the Lord allows things to happen to us. And we ask, why? I'm not doing terrible things. I'm seeking by God's grace to walk with him, and God's allowing these things to happen to me. And when you think of Peter in the misery of his own failure, I'm sure he asked the question, why, Lord, did you allow that? And here's the answer, that when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. The other thing, and this is now moving to point number two. I'm not sure if you're taking notes or not tonight, but this is moving to the main heading, point number two, and that is that Peter would let them know that Christians will be sifted as wheat. Now, isn't this good? Peter was not chaff. Peter was wheat. And it's the wheat that gets sifted. If there's no wheat in the pile, you wouldn't even bother to sift it. But because there is wheat, then it should be sifted and sorted and made to shine forth. Now, God allowing this temptation. We think, of course, of Job and how Job was given permission. Sorry, Satan was given permission to attack Job, to touch his belongings, his possessions, his animals, even his children, and then later his health, and everything that Satan requested. Well, not everything, but each point he requested. But he was not to touch his life. It was given unto him. And so Satan requested access to God's children. Now, isn't it interesting? I'm not going to go to Job tonight. I'm not my intention to preach through that first chapter of Job. But I want us to see what Peter makes of this. And in 1 Peter 5, 8, you have Peter's reference to the devil who goes about like that roaring lion, seeking to devour whom he can. And in verse 9, this is 1 Peter 5, and Verse 9, you'll see how he applies it. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So Peter is not a unique case. We do not just have a limited number of Christians who will find the hellish assaults of the devil— but this is something that every Christian is to take to heart and that we are to resist in the faith, with the gospel, with the truths of our Lord Jesus. 
Now, Peter was wheat, not chaff. If Peter had been chaff, he'd been left alone. But because he's wheat, he is being sifted. Satan entered Judas, but Satan assaulted Peter. And so we should take these things to heart. Now, the other thing I note here is that Satan attacked Peter at the very point that Peter would have called his strength. The thing that he was known for, bombastic, boasting, courageous. If there's one who will step out of the boat and walk on water where the others don't even dare, it's Peter. He's the brash one. And it is at that point of his seeming strength that Satan attacks him. And on that night of our Lord's arrest and trial, when he is quizzed firstly by a little maid, art thou one of them? He denies his Lord. The courageous Peter, and his courage is gone, and he is brought down to the point of terrible weakness. And that's why in 1 Peter, especially chapter 5, you will see how Peter learned to walk in humility, to not be boasting, to not be a presuming of our own strength. And he talks in that passage about the Christian exercising diligence. Diligence. Are you doing that tonight? Are you watching against the assaults of the wicked one? Do you allow him to whisper in your heart to bring you to despair? Do you allow the devil to rob you of the promises and of all the grace of God in your soul? You are to exercise great diligence. And so we see here from Peter what makes us humble, what makes us careful and more prayerful and reliant on the Lord works for our good. All things work together for good. And what the Lord allows in our lives, we have to say, thank you, Lord, that you're not giving up. I'm wheat that's being sifted, and you're carrying me along through this.
You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, pastor of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale, British Columbia. Missing the cross, that's our theme. And on this week, as we lead up to Calvary, as we remember the death of our Lord Jesus, we want to make sure that you do not miss the cross. You will miss the cross if you neglect the fact that the Lord's death was a ransom for sin. The Lord was very clear when he said, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That was Matthew 20, verse 28. This term is in the same category with the term redemption. The whole account of the gospel is based on the Lord redeeming his people from the curse of sin. This is the language of the marketplace where things are bought and sold. The ransom money released a slave, the servant, or the thing from one owner's possession into the possession of another new owner. Now, do not think that a ransom was paid to the devil to set us free from our sins. The ransom to the devil was the old false notion of the Seventh-day Adventists. They based it on the two goats theory, one that died and the other was carried away into the wilderness. And the Seventh-day Adventists expounded this as paying off the devil. God owned the devil nothing, nothing but punishment. In the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was offering up himself in body and blood as payment for sin. Think on 1 Peter 1, verses 18-19, where it says that we are redeemed not by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ. Uh, the blood of a lamb as without blemish and without spot. The ransom was paid to the righteous character of God, who demanded payment for sin. The death of Christ was the price paid to release us from sin's guilt and place us into the ownership of God's family and kingdom. The idea of ransom by purchase or redeeming that's the Bible word for bought, is found throughout the Old Testament in hundreds of texts, and in the New Testament, too, it is found. Galatians 4, 5, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Or in Titus 2, 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And then the term bought is also found in Revelation 5, 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And so we find the clear evidence for ransom for purchasing, redeeming of our souls, making us right to dwell with God. That's the work of Christ that he accomplished on the cross. Here's the hymn, The blessed peace of Christ my bosom fills, The Father's smiling face I see, 
With love divine my happy spirit thrills, for Jesus' blood has ransomed me. The blood of Jesus ransomed me. He paid my debt and set me free. Where'er I go, the world shall know. The blood of Jesus ransomed me. He floods my pathway with a heavenly light. He caused my blinded eyes to see. From thrall of Satan and from sin's dark night, the blood of Jesus ransomed me. He grants me grace to foil the tempter's heart. He gives me strength to meet the foe. He makes his dwelling place within my heart. He's with me wheresoe'er I go. When time on earth for me shall be no more, and I in heaven his face shall see, I'll sing his praises on that blissful shore and tell how Jesus ransomed me. Listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. 
click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 187- 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.